Hi everyone, Griffin Marie here and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will focus on the market developments over the past week, a discussion of CIO's recently published yield and income report, and of course, a preview of next week. So I am excited to be joined today by Barry McLinden and Frank Saleo, CIO Senior Credit Strategist Americas uh, with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Barry, Frank, it's great to be with you and looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks, Griff. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday to you guys, too. So uh, I think it would just be great if we could start things off with with a recap of some of the more notable uh, market events in the past week. Yeah, I think so. Start by mentioning uh, the jobs report, which came in disappointing this morning. For the month of April, the gains were only 266,000, and March gains were revised down to 770,000. Uh, this was unexpected. You know, the market was expecting that payrolls would rise by uh, a million and maybe even more prints for the next few months. Uh, we also saw that the unemployment rate unexpectedly increased in April to 6.1% from 6% previously. So the quick question going forward will be if last month in March, you know, was that strong print an outlier? Uh, as uh, consensus, again, thought that we were in the beginning of a, a period of strong job gains for the next several months. Uh, clearly, the momentum you know, is expected to improve as the economy reopens. So uh, continue to digest exactly what this unemployment report for, um, for April means, but clearly uh, you know, disappointing uh, the market uh, this morning. Just in terms of other newsworthy events, you know, we are winding down earnings season. I think the story of earnings, you know, had been set uh, already some, some couple of weeks back. Clearly, it's been a very strong uh, earnings season. Not only do you have a large number of companies that are beating both earnings and revenues, but the size by which they're beating by is greater, you know, than anticipated. In fact, you know, CIO is looking for earnings beats to be on the order of about 30%, and that's come in at, at 45%. So, you know, and that points to, to solid earnings momentum, you know, for the, the remainder of the year as, as well. Uh, so CIO had been expecting earnings to grow 30%, you know, for the full year. Um, and after the first quarter results, which are winding down, there does seem to be some upside, you know, risk to, to that outlook. I'd also just mention this week um, some comments that made news by Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. You know, made a comment suggesting that uh, the Fed may have to raise interest rates in order to keep the economy from overheating based on the uh, spending plans by the Biden administration. But she later walked back, back a bit, mentioning that she's not predicting or recommending that the Fed raise interest rates. So, uh, you know, just uh, newsworthy comment, you know, from uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen, and uh, likely she'll be a bit more careful in, um, I, I would say, her communication going forward. Yeah, I'll just add, Griff, that, you know, one area of intense focus for the market will continue to be Fed policy, and that's because Fed policy has been such an important support to risk assets over the past year, both in terms of the Fed's zero interest rate policy, as well as its quantitative easing policy of monthly bond purchases uh, totaling $120 billion per month. And 
Um, you know, today's April jobs report, now this is only just one report, it's, and one report does not a trend make, and uh, economists will be digging into this uh, report throughout the day. I'm sure we'll hear from our own CIO economist, Brian Rose, later today. And frankly, this will be uh, uh, it, it scrutinized for the next few weeks until we get the May jobs report next month. But it does have the potential to kind of scramble the picture a little bit in terms of uh, inflation, which is really, which has been a focus and will continue to be a focus for the market as it relates to the Fed's reaction to it. The Fed has been, you know, really over the since the financial crisis 10, 12 years ago, been trying to get inflation into the so-called safe zone, a quote-unquote safe zone, as I would call it. Um, there has been some concerns more recently about uh, inflation running too hot since, ever since uh, the Fed put into place their average inflation targeting policy back in August. Uh, and the questions have been, you know, how tolerant will the Fed be? How high will inflation go? How long will it last? The Fed has uh, been saying they expect inflation trends to grow, but for those to be uh, you know, higher inflation prints to be temporary or transitory is their word. Um, but again, to, to what extent does this latest jobs picture kind of change everything? But switch shifting back uh, to, to the review portion of, of uh, this morning's call, we did get other uh, it, it inflation breadcrumbs, so to speak, in the data over the past week. Uh, last Friday, we got PCE inflation data uh, showing a 2.3% year-over-year increase. That's traditionally high, but it was in line with estimates. This week, we also got the uh, April ISM purchasing manager surveys. These uh, survey readings were below the March levels and also below estimates, but still very strong. So I'll give you an example. Specifically, the ISM manufacturing headline index reading came in at 60.7%, still well within expansion territory, but that 60.7 was below the 64.7 reading for March and also below the uh, consensus estimate of 65.0. Importantly, the ISM manufacturing prices paid component jumped to its highest levels in roughly 12 years. So again, people focusing on the inflation component there. And also in terms of inflation expectations, the five-year break-even inflation rate, which is a gauge of expectation, rose to its highest level since 2008. And then finally, Griff, i just say in other news, uh, the good news uh, on the COVID front here in the United States is that the CDC is reporting that 57% of adults aged 18 and older have gotten at least one dose of vaccine. Average new cases and, and uh, COVID deaths have fallen to their lowest levels in six or seven months. That's also good news. Now, tragically, cases are rising in India and also other areas of the world that, de that are dealing with variants. Um, so this certainly bears watching. And this is a humanitarian uh, crisis going on in India that bears watching. And we're, we're, we're optimistic, though, and confident that as vaccines become more widely available globally, we will get closer to seeing COVID eradicated worldwide. And that is certainly our hope and prayer for, for India and the rest of the world. Overall, risk assets remain supported by that optimism. The S&P remains close to an all-time high, closed at a record high last Thursday. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at a record last night. And Griff, I just end by saying, you know, earlier this week I published a blog post entitled Hope Springs a Turtle. 
hope springs eternal, kind of noting the optimism that's been driving risk assets over the past month. Yeah, absolutely, Frank, uh, and appreciate you guys both with a recap of what's certainly been another fascinating week in the markets and on the macroeconomic front. But shifting gears here, you know, uh, you guys published the latest edition of the Yield and Income Report last week. What are some of the highlights and, and key takeaways from that publication? Sure, just uh, as a review, it, it is published monthly, the Yield and Income Report. And the great thing about it is it's uh, a multi-asset class report. Inside the report, you'll get one-page summaries of a variety of different asset classes written by the expert uh, focused on that specific uh, area. So the report covers uh, U.S. equities. It also covers emerging market uh, equities and international stocks as well. You'll also read about U.S. government bonds, municipal bonds, high-yield investment-grade corporate bonds, uh, or high-yield and investment-grade corporate bonds, preferreds, REITs, and MLPs. I like to say it's our latest thinking about everything. And all these sectors align with house view portfolios that can be found in the back of the report on page 18. Now, the latest edition, the, the market commentary section is entitled Grand Reopening, highlighting some of the trends that I just uh, alluded to a little bit earlier, those, 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 uh, those positive trends and optimism that have been driving risk assets. And what's notable, Griff, is that during the month of April, unlike uh, during the first quarter, interest rates were a lot more stable, and that enabled fixed income sectors uh, to perform well in April and enabled performance to improve more broadly because coming into uh, the second quarter, coming into the month of April, municipal bonds and preferreds were at a marginal loss from a year-to-date perspective. Investment-grade corporates and emerging market bonds were also down for the year by roughly 4%, give or take. But thanks to more stable interest rate trends uh, beginning in April, fixed income sectors were able to rebound a bit. Emerging market bonds and investment-grade corporates were able to cut those year-to-date losses considerably. And municipal bonds and preferreds flipped over to gains for the year. So that's really been uh, one of the key uh, uh, items to note in April is the broadening of, of the, 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 the gains, the year-to-date gains, because of the performance in April. I think Barry may have some further insights into the credit sector specifically. Yeah, yeah so within credit, uh, we did see, as Frank mentioned, that uh, investment-grade credit benefited from a more stable uh, interest rate environment, or in fact, uh, investment-grade asset class outperformed high yield uh, in the month of April. Now, thinking about what will transpire throughout the remainder of the year, we do think that the tide will shift again, where you see more of the lower duration and credit-sensitive portions of the fixed income market that will, uh, again, have an edge. Uh, and that's predicated on our view that you know we do see rates edging higher over time uh, as the economy reopens. So within credit, uh, you know, we still are... Um, neutral on high yield, most preferred on senior loans and least preferred on investment grade. And again, that tilt is favoring lower duration and more credit sensitive in the senior loan area uh, and being cautious on duration with investment grade. And within investment grade, we do think that the lower rated triple B portion of that market should continue its edge over single A's. And that trend took a breather last month, but we expect that to, you know, persist, uh, you know, over the medium term going forward. So investment grade investors 
uh, will want to focus on that triple B segment and may even consider moving down into the, the upper rating band in high yield in the double B rated uh, portion of that market. Um, for high yield investors, we think that the single B area of that market represents uh, the best relative value. Uh, the triple C area on account of valuation of being rich does not look uh, very attractive. So we think that investors should focus more on, on single Bs. Um, but again, overall, within credit, we think that um, really staying pro-cyclical makes sense. Uh, obviously, uh, valuations are constrained in here, though, uh, given that spreads have you know tightened to levels that really represent you know lower bound of where they've been over long historical periods. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know we think that these range-bound spreads uh, should persist near current levels. And of course, uh, you know, credit selection, you know, is always paramount uh, in these environments. So uh, piecing this all together, guys, what's CIO's overall market outlook and what are some events to look forward in uh, forward to in the week ahead? You know, I do think that you're going to see more macro uh, driven events driving the sentiment in risk assets, maybe more so, again, than earnings or some of the fundamental data points. So I think that the macro data you know, for us, as it uh, could influence the expectations about the Fed going forward, and certainly uh, will influence levels of interest rates, um, will play a big role. Now, we do have earnings season winding down, uh, and we do get some reports by uh, the retailer companies, uh, so, so those will be looked at. Uh, the economic data releases also include uh, other inflation readings, consumer price index and producer price index. And again, we're going to see those headline figures uh, year over year uh, come in uh, quite strong, uh, over, likely over 3% given the base effects uh, that you know have been talked about you know, that we think will be a bit more uh, transitory in nature. We also have uh, retail sales reports come in later in the week. So Again, I think the macro data points will be looked at um, extremely closely, especially in light of the jobs report that we saw this morning. Yeah, and I would just add, Griff, you know, um, today's jobs report notwithstanding, we do expect uh, interest rates to have an upward bias uh, because of what we expect to be continued uh, strength in economic growth, continued strength in in, uh, corporate profit growth. Um, so we are somewhat defensive and cautious with respect to the fixed income sectors, but mm-hmm. we do expect those trends to support the reflation trade uh, in, in stocks. And we maintain a cyclical bias uh, in U.S. equities favoring small and mid-caps over large. And in terms of uh, individual sectors, you know, we favor those cyclical sectors like the financials, energy, industrials. But we do expect there to be more volatility in the months ahead as the market adjusts and shifts narratives uh, the, the narrative over the past year has really been a bad news is good news narrative, uh, which uh, you know is is dependent on more stimulus, more monetary policy stimulus, more uh, fiscal policy stimulus, and frankly, today's jobs report kind of reinforces that bad news is good news narrative. We're seeing uh, you know stocks today kind of react somewhat favorably, but. Uh, there's going to be more volatility as these market narratives shift. We're going to, uh, in our view, at CIO shift to a more optimistic good news is good news narrative of self-reinforcing economic growth. But these competing narratives do have the potential to create more volatility uh, in the weeks and months ahead. So that's something to, to bear watching as well. 
Absolutely. So, Barry, Frank, uh, yet another fascinating conversation with the both of you. Uh, We thank you for joining us and sharing your insights with us today. And we look forward to having you back on Top of the Morning sometime soon. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And have a great weekend, everybody. Yeah, you guys have a great weekend as well. Again, we have been joined today by Barry McAlinden and Frank Saleo, CIO, Senior Credit Strategist Americas. As a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office authors a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can be located on UBS.com slash CIO. For clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor if you would like to learn more about or receive a copy of any of the publications and blogs directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes and Spotify. Visit UBS.com slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the UBS trending video series. So from UBS Studios, I'm Griffin Marie, and thank you for joining us this morning. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.